Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Christmas is uh, such an interesting time of year because we think Christmas and, and about all the great things that Christmas means. And sometimes we think about, oh, no, 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 it's not about shopping. It's not about going to the mall. We got to remember what this means. It's, it's about the baby Jesus and it's about Jesus coming. And I would agree with that. But I would ask you just tonight, from now on, just think of Christmas in a slightly different way. What I would call Christmas is this. Christmas is the God's in spite of plan. When we think of Christmas, we think of God's in spite of plan. That God is saying, hey, I'm going to do this in spite of a number of things. I'm going to do things in spite of your understanding, in spite of your feelings, or in spite of your circumstances. And the it that God is doing is the redemption of mankind. It's the salvation of mankind. That God, is, God is, is determined that he's going to save mankind, that he's going to save us from our sins, that he's going to save us from eternal damnation. And Christmas is the example of that. It's, it's God's in spite of plan. And, and this could go back, we could go way, way back with this, but let's just go back to the time of Abraham. If I say the name Abraham, who has a clue? Do you know the name Abraham? Raise your hand if you go, Abraham, I know. Yeah, let me tell you why you know the name of Abraham. Because way back when, God said to Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and I'll make you famous. And the reason that we know Abraham today and we know the name of Abraham today is because God decided to make him famous. And he said, you'll be a blessing to others. Abraham was way down in in Ur, which would be Iraq, you know, and, and, and God called him and he went up to Haran, maybe Syria. And before he took him down into Shechem, and then he went down into Shechem. When, when Abraham got to Shechem, God made this promise to him. And further, God said this, I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who treat you with contempt. Interesting. He says, all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. And when God said this to Abraham, that was a foreign thought to Abraham. Abraham had no clue. Families don't bless each other, and tribes don't bless each other. Families and tribes raid each other, and they raid each other for food, and they raid each other for land, and they raid each other for wives, for their sons. And God says to Abraham, through you, all the families of the earth are actually going to be blessed. And even though it didn't make sense, God is saying, Abraham, I'm going to do it in spite of your understanding. I'm going to do it in spite, Abraham, of your feelings. Abraham, I'm going to do this in spite of the circumstances. And all through the Old Testament, we saw this. This went on continually through the Old Testament, the whole story of the Old Testament. There would be belief and there would be unbelief, and there would be obedience and there would be disobedience. And in spite of all that, God continues to work out his plan of salvation, his plan of redemption for mankind. And then we get to the New Testament. And we read the New Testament writers. And we look at a guy like Luke. Luke was the only Gentile writer of the scriptures. And Luke wrote out, Luke at the very beginning said, listen, I've, I've, I've interviewed people and I've talked to people and I'm trying to get an orderly account of all the things that happened in the, in the life of Christ. That was Luke's testimony. And so when Luke, because he's writing an orderly account, when Luke tells us the story of Jesus, he doesn't start with Mary and he doesn't start with Joseph and he doesn't start in Bethlehem. Luke starts the story of Jesus with a guy who nobody would know his name. He's a priest and nobody would know his name if Luke hadn't recorded it. And Luke starts the story of the birth of Christ with Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest. He's from the tribe of Levi. And all the priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. Zechariah is a Levite and he's a priest of the temple. Now the temple is such an enormous structure and it takes so much to run the temple that it takes somewhere between, there were somewhere between 18 
and 20,000 priests. And a priest would go get a call twice a year. And twice a year, he'd go to the temple and he'd go for a week and he'd serve for a week and then he'd go home. But when he's at the temple, there are a variety of duties for the priests. And we're told here that Luke, by casting of lots, lots are kind of the Old Testament version, almost literally of dice. By the casting of lots, Luke is assigned to light the incense inside the temple. It's the greatest honor, it's the greatest privilege that a priest could have. You'd stand right up against the curtain, right up against the veil, the tall veil that separates the holy place inside the temple from the holy of holies where it was the presence of God and the Ark of the Covenant, and you stand right up against it, and you light the incense, and the incense would burn it up, and it's a symbol that represents the prayers of the people to God. And Zechariah has that privilege. The odds that it would ever happen to you as a priest are, are very small. And so you have to consider this. By, Luke, by Zechariah going there to light the incense, it is the greatest day of his career. It's the absolute greatest day. And Luke tells us that while he's standing there and while he's preparing to light the incense, that the angel Gabriel comes down to his right side, his right hand side, and he says to him, he says, Zechariah, God has heard your prayers. And even in your old age, you and Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby and you're going to name him John. And you can imagine Zechariah's head is spinning. He, he doesn't know what's going on. He, he, he's just, he's in a daze. And Zechariah responds and he says to Gabriel, look, how can I be sure of this, right? I'm an old man now and my wife is, now be careful. You, just like men, you just, just like, hold on for a minute. Like, you just have to be very careful. And I love how Zechariah does that. He's like, I'm an old man and my wife is also well along in years, <laughs> right? And, and so Zechariah's head is still spinning, but Gabriel now, the angel Gabriel is like, how can this be? I love Gabriel's answer. Watch what Gabriel says to him. Hey, I'm Gabriel. Like that's his answer. You're here in the temple and you're standing against the curtain and, you, and you're gonna light the incense and an angel appears to you? What do you mean, how can this happen? He says, I'm Gabriel. And then he goes on and he says, but now, because you didn't believe what I said, You'll be silent and you'll be unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I know you're old. I know your wife is old. This is God's plan and it's God's in spite of plan. And God is gonna do this in spite of our understanding, in spite of our feelings and in spite of the circumstances. God is at work, God is moving. God is, God is moving to redeem mankind. And so Zechariah goes home. And after Zechariah gets home, there's Elizabeth, and he kind of gives her the look. And Elizabeth looks back at him, and she says, hey, I'm very well along in years. <laughs> they go on to conceive a child, and she gets pregnant. And then Luke goes on, and he tells us in the story that in the sixth month of her pregnancy, God sends the angel Gabriel now to Nazareth, a village up in Galilee, to a virgin named... Anybody know her name? Mary. What's her name? Mary. Yeah, to a virgin named Mary. Everybody knows Mary's name. Have you ever thought about that? Everybody knows Mary's name. This is a girl from an insignificant family. She herself is insignificant in a part of the world that is insignificant, in a part of the world that would be considered the, the armpit of the Roman Empire. And God speaks to this girl named Mary. And furthermore, it says she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And he's a descendant of King David. 
And this is a really important fact that he's a descendant of King David. And then the story goes on. It says, Gabriel appeared to her. And he says, greetings, favored woman. Literally, greetings, woman, on whom, uh, on, on whom the, the grace of God resides. It says, the Lord is with you. She's confused. She's disturbed. You, you, you can understand this. And she tries to think what the angel could mean. And the angel, this is what all angels say, just so you know. The angel says to her, hey, don't be afraid. We think that angels are fat babies that play harps. That's not a biblical angel. She was afraid. Naturally, she was. And so he says, for you have found favor with God. Again, God's grace is resting on you. And he goes on and he tells her, you'll conceive and you'll give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And he'll be very great. And he'll be called the son of the most high God. And the angel Gabriel goes on as he speaks to Mary and he says, the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he'll reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary's a good Jewish girl. And she grew up in a Jewish home. And she knows biblical prophecy. And she knows exactly what Gabriel is telling her. That your son is going to be the Messiah. She knows this. Your son is going to be the savior of the world. And so you can imagine, Mary's head is spinning. And so she asks the obvious question. She says, but how? How will this happen? How is this going to possibly happen? She asks him, she says, how will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I'm a virgin, right? Doesn't make sense. Christmas should remind us that it's God's in spite of plan. It's God is working to redeem mankind in spite of our understanding, in spite of our feelings, in spite of the circumstances. God is moving. God is on the move. God is making a plan. And he's carrying out his plan to to redeem mankind. So the angel now answers her. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, I'm just going to pause for just a minute. Because if the virgin birth is a deal breaker for you, if you say, hey, Neil, I don't normally go to church, and one of the, things that, one of the issues that I have is, how does this virgin birth thing work? So, so let me just address that for just a second. If you, if you don't understand the overarching story of the Bible, you may not understand this. But at the time that Luke wrote this, there are already tens of thousands of people around the world who trusted Jesus, who believe in Jesus. That, that it started in Jerusalem, that Luke didn't write this until after In other words, Jesus has already come and lived his life. Jesus had already told that he was going to die on the cross. Jesus had already subjected himself to horrific uh, suffering and and, and torture. He'd already died on the cross. And to be honest, when Jesus died on the cross, everybody thought it was over. They thought it was done. They thought they'd wasted a good share of their life. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And he was witnessed by all of his disciples at one time five hundred people all at the same time saw him and that's when new testament writers said hey this is something special and now they begin to write it down and tens of thousands of people have come to know jesus already because of the ministry and the mission work of the apostle paul all along the mediterranean rim and so when luke writes this down you have to understand this that if luke was writing in a manner that just said i'm just trying to get people to believe this story Writing about a virgin birth would have made it 
harder to believe and would have made it less credible, not easier to believe and more credible. The reason that Luke wrote it is because it happened. And then he goes on and he says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her, the angel wasn't as diplomatic, in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail in spite of, in spite of our understanding and in spite of our feelings and in spite of our circumstances. And then Mary has this response. She has this answer. And if you're a church person, you've been going to church and you've been to church for a lot of Christmases, you probably know the response. And this response in the Christian faith is legendary. And Mary just straight up says, I am the Lord's servant. And may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This is God's story of redemption. This is God's story of saving mankind. That God does this in spite of. And it's in spite of our understanding. It's in spite of our feeling. It's in spite of our circumstances. And it's in spite of our belief and our disbelief and our obedience and our disobedience. That's the what is that God is redeeming mankind. That's the what. The bigger question is why? Why would God do that? Why is God doing it in spite of it? Why did God send his own son? Why was God willing to do that? Why does God do it when we doubt, when we don't understand, when our feelings say this couldn't possibly be, when our circumstances say this couldn't possibly be? The bigger question is why. To get the answer for why, you need to go to John's gospel. John was a disciple of Jesus. In fact, he was probably Jesus' closest friend. That's what we think. He was Jesus' closest friend. And in John chapter 3, John is writing things down. Now he's going back and he's recalling stories. And in, in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking with a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a, is a highly esteemed man. And he's an important man. He's on the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish high council. And, and Nicodemus is just trying to wrap his head around this. Why does this, why does this, why, why would this Jesus give us new life? Why would this Jesus do this? John, John, John's listening. He's recalling this. And Nicodemus is trying to wrap his head around this. And John just interrupts the narrative. And John interjects. And John says this. For God so loved the world. That's why God does things in spite of. Because God so loved the world. John is telling us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son the son that we celebrate at Christmas. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever would believe in him, whoever would place their trust in him, whoever would place their faith in him, whoever would give their allegiance to him, whoever would serve him obediently, John said, would not perish, would not experience eternal hell, but would have life everlasting, life with the Father. And so, about three months later, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they have a baby. And they name him John. And he grows up to be John the Baptist. And about six months after that, Mary and Joseph, they have a baby. And they name him Jesus. And he grows up. to be Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior of the world. And this is how Luke writes it. 
Luke says at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everybody returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth up in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. She laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and on earth, peace to those with whom God is pleased. And so tonight I say this, peace to you. Peace to all of you. Peace to you who are watching. In spite of, in spite of our understanding, in spite of our feelings, in spite of the circumstances, God, God's plan is to redeem, to save mankind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, Father God. We say thank you. We stop. We just stop and we say, Father, thank you for sending your son. We know we don't deserve it. But we're glad you did it in spite of. Thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.